Hey, Terrence, good job. Good job. I mean, you guys know, if you guys ever stood up here, sometimes it's like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what's going to come out. But one of the things I appreciate so much about Terrence and about really our, our, you know, all the folks that have come and shared is just, you know, it's not super scripted. It's just speak from what's true for you and wherever you are with your journey and with your experience and where you are in your, in your walk with God, just let that be true. Don't worry, about, don't worry about getting judged. We're not about that. Just let what's true for you be true as we grow together. All right, and with that, let me dive into the message today. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a number thing here. 18 years ago, this past July, uh, so uh, 18 years ago, Evelyn and I got married. It was... Um, It's not today. It's not our anniversary today. Uh, It's actually 18 years ago, uh, four months and two days ago, we got married. Um, And so you're like, why why, why are you talking about this? It's because the passage that we are going to look at today was our wedding passage. And so uh, it's really significant in that way. Um, And it's a passage about how to live authentic faith. This is the title of the message. What are the marks of the true follower of Jesus Christ? But it's a passage that's not often used in weddings. And when you read it, you're going to go like, oh my gosh, he chose that passage? Um, and you'll, you'll see why. Because it's a pretty challenging passage. It's a, it's a real um, gritty sort of in-the-trenches kind of passage. It's really a pretty hard passage to embody. Um, And you'll go, oh man, they read that at their wedding. But uh, what I'll do is I'll read the passage. There's actually a lot of things going on in the passage. And I was thinking about it. I'm going to read through it, and then we'll go back and step through it in three sections. But it's going to feel a little bit like I'm trying to take you through Disneyland in about 25 minutes. And what it's going to be is, I'm going to be pointing out different rides to you. Okay, over there, that's the Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, that's the Matterhorn, and that's the, and that's the Dumbo ride. And, you're gonna, and what's going to happen is, I'm going to show you a bunch of things. And like going through Disneyland, as the message is, is unfolding... If there's one thing or two things that catch your attention, hey, that's a ride that I want to go back and ride, I encourage you to take a note of that and then go back this week and spend some time with that. Because here's the tour, and um, it's going to need much more time, and really this whole week, to really unpack that. So if one thing catches your attention, one thing attracts your attention then uh, hold on to that, take a note of that, and use this week to dive back into that. Let me read the whole passage, and then we'll go back and break it down in three sections. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. This is agape love. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That's the first part. Part two goes this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Isn't that that good for a marriage? Never be wise in your own sight. Listen to your wife. That's what that means. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And here's the third part that's coming. This closes chapter 12. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Today's the 10th tenth message in our series on the book of Romans, God for Us. We've been talking about at GRX One of the things we're about here, to lead people to authentic faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is giving us a strategy in Romans chapter 12 to live our lives in the world. A strategy for us to live out our authentic faith in the world. Last week we looked at the first part of that, to be transformed. His strategy, the Apostle Paul's strategy for us to live Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here he gives us the rest of his strategy. He gives us the rest of the strategy to live authentic faith. And I'm going to break it up into these three parts. And the first part is that authentic faith begins in agape love. Authentic faith begins in agape love. The second part, authentic faith is seen in our relationships. It's seen practically in our relationships. And the third part, authentic faith leaves room for God. Leaves room for God to act. So these three parts we're going to see in Paul's strategy. Agape love, number two, relationship, and number three, room for God. So Paul says in Romans 12, starting at verse 9, let love be genuine. And he uses this word agape love. Let your agape love be genuine. In the New Testament, there are lots of terms for love. There's this agape love. And this kind of love is the kind of love that is all-encompassing. It is self-sacrificing. It's a little different than some of the other forms of love, like phileo, which is brotherly love, or eros, which is sort of a passionate kind of, of love. Sturgo. It's different. It's different kinds of love. Agape love is an all-encompassing, surrendering, fully committed form of love. 
you'll know, you'll recognize some of these other passages where God's agape love shows up because it shows up in John 3.16. For God so agape loved the world that he gave his only son, the all-encompassing love of God. John 15.13, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, Jesus says, no greater agape love has a person than this that you lay down your life for the life of someone else. Romans 5, 8, which we looked at earlier. But God shows his agape love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then in Romans 8, which we looked at, what then shall separate us from the agape love of God? There's nothing in all creation that will separate us from God's all-encompassing love. It even shows up in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not agape love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. This is this agape love, this full love, this surrendering love, this all-encompassing love of God. And this is what the Apostle Paul says, that our faith, needs to be rooted and founded in this agape, surrendering, all-encompassing love. Let love be sincere. Let your agape, all-encompassing, surrendering love be genuine. Don't be fake. Let it be genuine. Let your love be sincere. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast. Cling to what is good. It's the same term, hold on to. It's the same term that scripture uses for a marital relationship where you cling to your wife, you cling to your husband, you, you cling to what is good with passion. And then how do we do that? What does it mean to let our agape love be genuine? He gives these 10 things in really quick succession. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That means let your honor and how you're trying to show honor be competitive with someone else. Like try to show more honor to this person than what they're trying to show you. I was thinking about this a little bit and just an example of a way that you show honor to someone. You might have this in your family, but when our family and extended family gets together, there's sometimes a battle over who's going to pay for the bill. Because you're trying to outdo one another in showing honor. Now, Evelyn's dad has sort of this funny story where he was hosting a dinner in a restaurant. And so Evelyn's dad went up to the uh, maitre d' of the restaurant, the Chinese restaurant. All, these, all his guests were coming in, family members, and all the people he was hosting. And he went to the, goes to the maitre d' and he goes, okay, don't let anyone but Charles Lim pay for the meal. That's Evelyn's dad. Okay, so the meal unfolds and things like that. And, you know, people are getting up and going out. And And one of the guests, one of the ladies, one of the guests, gets up and goes over secretly to the maitre d' and tries to pay, right? Outdo honor. and, And she comes and got a credit card, and the maitre d' goes, oh, no, 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 no. I can't let you pay. I'm under strict orders. Only let Charles Lim pay for the meal. 
And then the guest says, it's okay. I'm his wife. <laughs> okay, that, that was not true. But she was very sneaky. She outdid him in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. What does it mean to honor someone more than they're honoring you? Okay, I'm going to keep going. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. It means to be passionate. Serve the Lord. And then these things are just so great. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be patient in suffering. Be constant in prayer. Don't be derailed by suffering or tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. means give to your brothers and sisters. And then seek to show hospitality. And this is an interesting term. It means show hospitality to the people that are not of your group. People not of your group. Contribute to the needs of your brothers and sisters, your friends, your fellow Christians in Christ, and then show hospitality towards the others, towards people that for you feel like outsiders. This might arrest your attention. This might be a ride you want to ride this week. This is a kind of an agape love that all of us can actually practice. You can do this. It might feel scary to extend yourself, but you can invite someone to lunch this week. You're like, oh, I don't really know them. Well, that's exactly the point of this. When you extend hospitality to someone that's outside your circle, that's what this is. You contribute to the needs of the saints, your brothers and sisters, and then you seek to show hospitality to those that are outside your circle. Invite someone to lunch that you don't know very well. Maybe they're new. Maybe you're new. It doesn't matter. What this is is a strategy for living our agape love in the world. So extend hospitality, invite someone to lunch, and pay for them because that is your love, an expression of love for them. It creates a space for relationship for them. So that's the agape love. This is what Paul gives us, all these things that we can do. All right, that's part one. Part two then is that our authentic faith is seen in relationship. Romans 12, 14 to 18 says this. This is a little harder. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. That is a tough word right there. That is difficult. I think it's difficult for us. I know that for me, that is difficult. That is so difficult, someone persecuting. You know, I hope that none of you are persecuted or that none of you are suffering from another person. But the reality is that we live in a world where um, office politics or family politics or sometimes even church politics happen. And we get persecuted. We feel persecuted. And when we are, one of the very toughest things to do is to bless the person who we feel persecuted by. It's really easy to curse them. It is so easy to curse them. 
Um, you just have to put a little uh, microphone in my uh, Prius as I'm driving on the freeway. And you'll know how easy it is for me to want to do that towards other drivers. Um, this is where the relationship of our brothers and sisters come in. You might be experiencing persecution right now from somebody, your family, in your office, some, something like that. I've found it really helpful to come alongside another brother or sister who we really trust, who we really trust their confidentiality, who we really know that they love us, and to speak what's going on for you with them and say, I'm feeling persecuted by this person. Will you help me? Will you come alongside me and pray for them and pray for me and help me pray for them and help me bless them? And that's a tough thing. That is a tough thing to do. But that's what we're called to, to follow Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to other things. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. What does that mean? What does that mean practically for us in relationship? What that means is, when you're invited to a wedding and when you're invited to a funeral, it means that you should go. Go to weddings and go to funerals. Because you are going in relationship with this person who invited you to rejoice with them in a critical moment of their life and to weep with them in a critical moment of their life. It's very practical. You're going for their sake to bless them, to be about what's going on in their life. It's not about you. You know when you go to a wedding, it's not about you as a guest? And when you go to a funeral as a guest, it's not about you. It's about the person. You're loving them with your presence that's there. You're being with them for their sake. All right, let me go on. Paul keeps going. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That means live peaceably with Christians and non-Christians. You know, sometimes we run into people that are very tough. Maybe they gain their identity from being contrarian, Maybe they gain their sense of who they are from being antagonistic. Um, sometimes there's some people that it's really impossible to have peace with them. Pray for those who persecute you, if that's your case. But for everyone else, live peaceably with all as much as it depends on you. As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Which means... Seek forgiveness. Seek to clear the air with people as much as it depends on you. If you're in conflict with someone right now, is what you do. You say to them, hey, I just want to ask you, it feels like there's some bad air between us. Is there some bad air between us? Maybe there is. You sense it, you don't quite know what it is, you can ask. And then they might say, you know, yeah, there is some bad air between us. 
And you say, what is that? And they tell you, when you did this thing to me six months ago, X, it really hurt me. And then you can say, will you forgive me for X? I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to hurt you. That's what it means to live peaceably with all, Christians and non-Christians, as much as it depends on you. Okay, authentic faith is seen in relationship. It's seen as we're with people eye to eye. In the first part, authentic faith is in agape love, this all-encompassing, self-sacrificing kind of love. And then the third part, authentic faith leaves room for God. Now, I think this is actually the most difficult of all. Now, at this point in the message, you might be going, okay, I've seen enough of Disneyland. I don't want any more Disneyland. I'm going to show you the most awesome ride, which is actually the most crazy. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. He's quoting out of Deuteronomy 32.25. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. It comes out of Proverbs. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think one of the biggest and hardest expressions of our authentic faith is to give our revenge over to God. And I say that way specifically, to give our revenge over to God, to leave the vengeance up to God, to leave room for God. See, when we're wronged, we as just human beings, we want to extract some kind of revenge or some kind of vengeance, some kind of justification. We want at some deep level to be the judge and the jury, and the executioner. But that's not our role. Our role is not judge, jury, or executioner. When someone does something wrong to us, this is so hard to do. This is so hard to do. Our role in it is to trust God with an authentic faith that God will deal with the person the way that they need to be dealt with. We need to give our revenge over to God. In the Christian church, we often talk a lot about surrender. I'm going to surrender to God's leading. I'm going to yield my life to Jesus and what Jesus wants me to do. And we talk often about surrendering our plans, our hopes, The positive things in our life, I'm going to surrender my kids, I'm going to surrender my job, I'm going to surrender my finances. Following God in authentic faith also means surrendering my desire and my right to vengeance. To leave room for God and to yield the desire to get even, quote quote unquote, to get even. Authentic faith means leaving room for God and for God to be God. For God to be God. 
and for us to not be. And to love with agape love towards our enemies. There's one more thing I want to teach you guys about just in this, and sometimes it often gets confused. It's uh, verses 20 and 21, where Paul says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. If you've been in the church a little bit, you might have heard different interpretations of this. Um, It's actually a pretty confusing passage. Um, Some people will interpret this passage you do all these things, give food, give something to drink, and you're, burning coal, you're heaping coals on your enemy's head. Uh, some people would interpret this as it means when you do good things for your enemy, you will shame them, like you're kind of pouring burning coals on their head and, and, and they'll feel shame. Other people will actually take this passage and say, you're actually, by doing that, you're pouring out the judgment of God on them and you're, you're like burning them. You're kind of roasting them. Now, when I read that, and there's a lot of smart people who kind of go down this line, when I read this, I kind of go, that seems like a little bit passive aggressive. <laughs> like, I have an enemy, I hate them, but I'm going to give them a cheeseburger to spite them. It feels passive aggressive. Um, there's a different way to look at this passage. Proverbs 25, where this comes from, it says this, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heat burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Proverbs, ascribed to Solomon, ballparking it somewhere about 900 BC. What was going on historically, culturally, way back at that time? You've got this nomadic people. They're living out in the Middle East. And let me ask you this question. If you were this nomadic people and you were traveling around and some of you were shepherds and you're just living out in the elements, how would you start a fire to cook with? If it's cold on the desert, you don't have matches, you don't have a, 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 a lighter, how, how do you start a fire? Well, you could work at trying to rub a couple of sticks together, and that takes a long time. Or what you could do is you could go to your neighbor and get some coal. Now, how would something like this get carried? Now, there were earthen vessels, earthen jars like terracotta and things like that. And how are things carried? Like different parts of the world nowadays, things are carried on the head. Sometimes you've seen in different countries, they'll carry water, they'll carry bricks, they'll carry things like this in earthen jars on top of their head. So if you think back to 900 years ago, if you provided coals for someone, you're blessing them. You're giving them something which they could heat their house with, heat their tent with, you're giving them something that they can cook their food with. You're actually making it better for their life so they don't have to try to make fire on their own by trying to rub two sticks together. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. 
If your enemy is cold, doesn't have anything to cook his food with, heap burning coals on his head so that he'll be able to heat his home and cook his meal. I think what the Apostle Paul here is reaching back to Proverbs and saying, You're not, don't, don't try to spite someone. Don't try to be passive-aggressive. Bless them. Bless them all the way. Bless them all the way. And that's Paul's strategy for living authentic faith. It begins with an agape love. It's continued on and expressed in relationship. And then it leaves room for God. It leaves room for God to be God. This is why people don't usually read this at their weddings. Because <laughs> it's really a tough passage. If there was some part of this Disneyland tour that attracted your attention, I encourage you to just go back and ride that one ride. Just ride one ride this week. It might be showing greater honor to somebody. It might mean extending hospitality to someone. It might mean rejoicing with somebody or weeping with somebody to be with them for their sake at the thing that's important for them. For you, it might be surrendering your vengeance. Just take one thing and let your agape love be genuine. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this passage. It is a tough passage, but it's something that you call us to, to live in authentic faith. And so God, as we continue in our worship, I pray that you would stir our hearts and our minds. Your Holy Spirit, God, come and stir us to action, to reach out in authentic faith and agape love to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.